Welcome to My Runner's Mind, where we run with gratitude towards a life of happiness and gratefulness. I'm your host, Stina Turgeon, and I believe that as runners, we're uniquely positioned to choose gratitude over negativity. Running itself is so badass, and each run offers multiple opportunities to turn a potentially negative thought or feeling into a positive one. Tune in as I'll share behind the scenes of what goes into my 12-week program, My Runner's Mind, which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and ought tos in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! Hi friends, runners. Maybe you're dreaming about becoming a runner. Maybe you ask yourself if you're really a runner. Either way, welcome to episode 83. Today I have a gift for you. I have an interview with Courtney Burling from Eat Well, Run Better is her Instagram handle. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you guys. I reached out to her because her post on Instagram really just to me and I want to share some of them with you so you can see where I'm coming from and why I chose to reach out to her. She has posts that go like this and even the title of this podcast is one of her posts that I got permission to use. So I just love Dear Runner, running is a gift, not a punishment for what you ate. Or Dear Runner, you never need to earn your food. Dear Runner, even if you overate yesterday, you still need to eat today. Dear runner, your body doesn't know mileage, it knows stress. Dear runner, visible abs don't necessarily make you faster. And lastly, dear runner, run because you love your body, not because you hate it. I love these quotes. They speak to me so much and I really feel that they're about what I talk about here on My Runner's Mind. So I, I'm pretty confident you'll enjoy the podcast with Courtney. I just real quick wanna give you a little bit of a teaser of the podcast. Courtney is somebody who has walked the walk that she is now taking her clients through. She will share her own journey through food restrictions and running with you guys and how she has come out on the other end and how she helps her clients. She sees in her industry that there is this misconception that if I lose weight, I'll be faster. She'll touch on that. She will give some nutrition tips for you guys that you can take away and implement. And when I asked her about what she loves most about her clients' results, I just really loved, and you'll hear it in her passion on the podcast, but it boils down to how she loves how she helps her clients find food freedom. I think that is so huge. What a gift to be able to help your clients with that. And so I hope you enjoy the podcast here with Courtney from eatwell.runbetter on Instagram. And of course, she leaves all her details at the end of the podcast, and I'll make sure to leave them in the show notes so that you can reach out to her if you'd like to get a hold of her. Now for the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome, 
Welcome, Courtney. I am so excited to be joined by you here today on the podcast. Please go ahead and share with the listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So yeah, my name is Courtney Burling. I'm a registered dietitian and running coach, but I often say dietitian with little hesitation. And that's because when a lot of people think about a dietitian, they think about somebody who maybe writes meal plans or helps them lose weight. And I'm an anti-diet dietitian. And so in the realm of work that I do, I focus on helping female runners specifically find that balance between intuitive eating, body respect, and sports nutrition. Because I really believe that all runners, not just female runners, but that is, like I said, the niche that I fall into, but all runners should be able to eat foods that they're enjoying while also fueling their training the best that they can. And so what I do right now actually is I run a virtual practice doing exactly this. I, like I said, specifically work with females. I run a group program where we go through all of these things kind of in order. You know, are we fostering body respect? Are we working on our body image? You know, intuitive eating. And we kind of just go right down through your relationship with food into sports nutrition. And it's been a really amazing program. I've been running it for about three years now and watching the outcomes is truly amazing. That is awesome. And so of course that begs the question, how did you come into this niche yourself? Yeah. Great question with a loaded answer. <laughs> so I, I started running in middle school. I mean, this is something I'd always been a runner, you know, ran through middle school, ran through high school, went on to run at the university of Cincinnati, ran division one track and cross country, loved running, even ran very competitively post-collegiate. And my husband is active duty Marine Corps. And so when we got orders out to California, I ran and ran and ran and he was deployed and running was really my outlet, right? That's what people always say, like running is my therapy. And it kind of took a little bit of a turn for me. It became too much to the point that I was so focused on, you know, quote, being healthy that I became very unhealthy and my hormones were all out of whack. And I'm sorry if this is TMI to any listeners, but I, my menstrual cycle was very, very irregular. And by irregular, I pretty much mean non-existent. And that became very problematic when my husband came home from Iraq and we decided to have a family and we couldn't. And that was a really trying, you know, year, year and a half of our marriage trying to get pregnant when really what I had was called hypothalamic amenorrhea. Basically when you're eating such a strict diet and over-exercising that your hormones are just not working. And mm -hmm. once I got that all figured out, I thought this is a real problem in the running community. And I don't want anybody else to suffer from this because it was really hard on our whole family. Um, and that's my, my daughter was born and then this program was born shortly after. Yeah. Wow. That's very cool. I did know that you're a mom. And I also did know that you had mentioned and, and I found you on Instagram that you talked about having having trouble becoming pregnant as a result of overrunning. But I'm curious, and this is deviating from our talking script a little bit. That's I'm okay. curious, from the mindset perspective, though, on it, because clearly, that was a cost for you running as much you were feeling a need to probably control something. And then being able to kind of release that and accepting that, no, now my body is going to go into a different mode and become this nurturing, you know, machine of a human being. I don't know, just shed a little bit of light of that journey, if, if that's all right. I know oh, I yeah. didn't ask you for that, but <laughs> that's okay. I'm an open book. I mean, and so you're right. Like 
I think, and I had mentioned this, like running is therapy to a lot of people. And I've actually stopped my runners from saying that like running can be therapeutic and running can help our mindset, as you know much about, but it doesn't replace actual necessary therapy. And I think that's where it can go overboard. If running is something that you feel like you need to do it, or you like, then it starts to lose that gift. It starts to lose how special it is. Running should be something that we do to honor our body and celebrate our body. And I had obviously crossed over that bridge to, it was maybe more of a punishment, you know, for what I had eaten or a punishment for, you know, things I didn't do yesterday, you know, to it was make used up to control it. your body more than anything. Yes. It sounds like, right. Very well said. Yes, exactly. And, and then your body really takes a toll because of that and, and running, like I said, loses its gift and your body, you know, takes a hit from that for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. And I'm kind of curious, one more question on this, now that we're on this tangent, what kind of clued you in that, hey, this has gone way overboard and I need to make some changes? That is a great question. And I think looking back, there were so many early signs that I didn't see. And so I'll share those first. And then of course, I'll share the later signs. The early signs were like extreme fatigue. Like I was so tired. I was super cranky. I only thought about food or like my next meal. Like there was very little other thoughts going on in my mind. It was like, I would finish lunch and be thinking about like, okay, well, snack is going to be in three hours. And what am I going to have? Or I distinctly remember when my husband would come home for work. If anybody has a military member in their family, they're never home from work when they say they're going to be. And I would be like very upset. Like you said, you're going to be home by five 30 and you weren't. And now I'm starving. And like, I, cause I didn't want to like eat a snack before dinner. Cause I didn't want to, you know, add those calories. And so, these are all like signs like building up to that. And then, you know, later, well, and I was injured off and on a lot too. That was a major red flag. And then later, like I said, then I really had the missing period set in cold all the time that fatigue only got worse. My running times were not getting any better despite the constant training, you know, you really hit that training plateau. And then obviously, eventually when I went to the doctor, you could see it on my lab panel that things were just not where they should be. Wow. This is excellent because this really kind of breaks it down for any any runner who's out there maybe using running as therapy like you're describing, right? And, yeah. you know, kind of clue in here that if she's experiencing any of these signs, there might be something going on, right? And, and kind of to take it seriously. And also to know that there is absolutely help out there, that she's not the only one yeah. who's experienced it. And there is real help to be to be gotten from people that have gone through the same journey. And I think probably that's the most important piece for us to know that somebody can share in that experience. It's not just a, yeah, I've read about that. No, I have lived that. Oh my gosh. And you know what, like ever since starting my Instagram account, eatwell.runbetter, it's amazing how many, not just women, but men and women come out and say, I'm struggling with this too. Like you are, if you are listening and you're like, oh, I think I maybe do a little bit of that. You are so not alone. So many runners struggle with this. Right. And I do think, and I think I have a question in here somewhere that we'll talk on that. I do think a lot of us go into running as a way of controlling our body, right? It's just yet another tool in our arsenal to control our body image, right? You mentioned in there also that, And I love how you're saying that that's one of the things you teach your clients that running is a gift, right? And running is not a punishment. Running is not 
something you you need to do because you've overeaten and whatnot. Yeah. So that's so awesome. So I guess it kind of answers one of my questions was how often do you meet a runner who gets into running because of dieting? I mean, so if you had to put a percentage on it, or maybe either your clients or the people that you chat with through your your Instagram account or wherever you mostly meet people, what would you say? Oh my gosh. I would say probably 75% if I just like am guessing. I think those that get into running earlier in life, you know, like I said, middle school, high school, that's usually for like the love of the sport competition, or, you know, a lot of runners will run because they also play soccer or because, you know, they're doing, you know, a different sport. But I think most adults who get into it usually pick it up because they've heard it's a good way to lose weight. And then they, I think they're usually quickly surprised at the way it's so complex and, you know, it takes a lot of like running makes you hungry. Right. And sure. so it ends up and making you more hungry. And then if you're not fueling right or at the right times, then it can really skew your metabolism. Right. And I think, and I think you also alluded to that you're just missing out on over half of what running has to give you. If that's your only focus that yeah. I got to get out there to burn some calories. Oh my right? gosh. Yeah. And it, if that's your thought when your alarm goes off in the morning, like I have to do this because right. I have to lose weight. It's so easy to be like, no, I don't like, I don't right. want to do that today. And then, and then you just feel guilty all day. Yep. And then that guilt just sparks that like restrict binge cycle or, you know, another yo-yo diet. And it, it is, it's when we really truly switch that mindset to this is a gift. I get to do this. This is a celebration of what my body can do. It's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I, I can totally relate to that. I used to be the person you're describing in exercise. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Now of your clients also, is, would it be about the same percentage who run as a who come into it running as a punishment of what they've eaten? That's typically why they find you. Yeah, honestly, I would say, gosh, it might even be a higher percentage because, mm. you know, a lot of my runners truly do love running and they want to be faster runners. Like that is pr a pretty normal theme across the runners that I, I work with. So but, it boils down to, they want to be faster as the end result typically. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, and again, some of them might've started because of dieting, but then, you know, once you run a race, you're like, Oh, I could definitely do this faster. And then like that, you know, becomes your goal, but it doesn't necessarily change the idea of but if I lose weight, I'll be faster. And that's not 100% true, which we can maybe talk about in a little bit. You know, so I think sometimes those two things go hand in hand. And then that also goes right with this, how many runners use running as a punishment. And it can be even more because, like I said, some of my runners that are more type A, more of that like perfectionist style, guilty, they will, you know, oh, I ate a bagel yesterday and I didn't like, I gotta, I gotta work that off or, you know, in order to maintain what they look like or, you know, and that is just not accurate. You know, we fuel our bodies because we run and because we love to run. It's not, you know, we never run because of what we ate as a punishment. Right. And that's so, so important also. And I don't know how much you go into this, but in the coaching that I do and, and a lot in the podcast also, I talk about energy and vibration and basically boils down to kind of the attitude and the the mood that we hold and the mood that we are in mm -hmm. and if you're always in a deprivation mode right mindset wise i think and i mean i don't know that i have science to back it up but i just think you kind of shut yourself down also and i remember yeah. 
literally reading in, I don't know if you read Bruce Lipton's book, Biology of Belief, Mm-mm. talks about these little receptors in the cells that literally will kick on and switch based on perception of something. Mm. And it just always fascinates me with food, right? Because we can keep ourselves stuck for so long in this really negative mindset about food. And like you said, <gasps> I ate, I don't know, whatever outside of my plan yesterday. So ergo, I have to go burn it off. Otherwise I won't pick my pants tomorrow or something. Right. And I think you can almost make it true. If you really, if if that's a whole thought that you then hold in your body to an extent, I mean, if that's what you live in for so long, right. Because I think your, your body then just starts shutting down somehow. Right. Yeah, it is really amazing. One of my favorite nutrition books, it's called the Effort Diet Book. And it's like, it's she writes it in like a very vulgar format. So I will warn you there. But it is about breaking food obsession. And she talks about like, the more you just don't care and you just eat the food, obviously you break the food obsession, but then you actually like wrap back around and you actually start to want like, a balanced plate. Like you're going right. to find that like a balanced meal yes. with carbs, protein and vegetables actually feels really good. And like, that's what you really want at the end of the day. But to break that food obsession, you need to just eat the food and allow the food because when you allow it, it's like a little kid with a toy on Christmas, right? Like right. when you allow it in the house and they have it by mid January, they don't really care about it anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing with food. When you incorporate it in and you have it around in a, you know, and in, over time you start to care less about that food. Mm-hmm. No, that is so that's such a good point that if we restrict and we always just kind of keep it out of the house, we we truly haven't processed it in the body. But if we can actually cohabitate with it and say, it's there, and I, I can deal with it, and I can not want all of it all at once, right? Like you said, then you kind of find a balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So what mindset body image message do you wish you could give to a runner right now, to this runner oh, listening right now? Gosh, that is such a great question. <laughs> like if it is about Christmas time and we're recording this, so I'm just yes. thinking about like packaging up a little Christmas gift and like handing it out to runners and like what would be Ooh, in that box. Great visual. I love that. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a visual person? <laughs> <laughs> but as I like talk with my hands over here, but you know, I would say it is that you don't have to be thin to win. You don't have to look like the Olympic runners. And yes, they do fit a certain body image, but that to me is very like chicken or the egg. Are they good because they're thin or is it because they do run a lot and they've run that way for decades, you know? And I don't know the exact answer to that, but a lot of that is genetics, I will say. And you don't have to lose weight in order to be faster. I can't tell you how many runners I have worked with that have come to me and said, I actually gained 10 pounds and I'm so much stronger and faster because of it. And I'm not obsessed with food. And like that to me is the best gift. And so you don't have to be thin to win. If I could just package that up and get runners to truly believe that, that weight loss is not always the answer. That would be, that'd be my gift to them. You don't have to be thin to win. I like that. That, ah, that's a good, that's a good message for people. I can wholeheartedly buy into that. I like that. Let's see. Well, so moving on to what are some simple nutrition, I had written diet tips, but you know what, when you started saying dietitian and the connotations that are wrapped into that, I realized that, yeah, I, I 
I'm going to skip diet tips and say nutrition <laughs> tips instead yeah, yeah. to somebody listening right now that they can take away and implement. Yeah. What would yeah. You I love that. You know, and it's, it's like what you had said with like diet tips makes sense. Like diet is just what we eat, but you're right. Mm-hmm. The connotation attached to diet is mm-hmm. so like, like, I'm going to tell you how to lose weight and like, that's what everybody thinks. But so what nutrition tips I would say, if you are running in the morning, mm-hmm. eat before you run. That is huge. Even if you think, oh, my stomach can't handle that. Oh, I'm only running four or five miles. Eat before you run. Eat a simple carbohydrate. It will be a game changer in your energy level, in your recovery. It's just a total game changer. I could get into the science of it, but I'll spare you guys from all the details right now. We can always talk about that if you're interested later. But eating a simple carbohydrate like a banana or a piece of toast or a handful of dates or something like that. Graham crackers are my favorite, like two sheets of graham crackers. Eat that before you run and it will eventually be a game changer. And I say eventually, because if you usually don't eat before you run, it might take a couple of times for your stomach to get used to that. The next thing I would say is obviously eat immediately after your run. Even if it's like your next meal is right after your run, or if the next meal is going to be a while later, have a snack, carbs and protein immediately after that run, extend the body's ability to eat more or to take up more carbohydrates later, to absorb more carbohydrates into the muscles later. And that obviously helps your recovery immensely. So before and after run, fueling is so important. And I know so many runners that run in the morning and they maybe don't eat breakfast and their first meal is not till like noon. You're missing a huge window of opportunity there. So before and after are the best. And then the last thing I would say is eat when you're hungry. Don't only eat when you're hungry. It gets more complicated than that because runners have a little bit of a skewed appetite. Like after your run, you might not be hungry. But right. never- that's my thing. I mean, I come yeah. home and I know I ought to, but I'm like, yeah, but I got to stretch. I got to take a shower. I'm not hungry. <laughs> I know. And th- That's super common. It's actually a hormonal imbalance. After you run, your hunger hormone is suppressed and your satiety hormone is higher, but we have to override that. Just be kind of a survival of the body that it doesn't want to run while hungry and producing those hormones. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. Like I'm not exactly sure what the like mechanism is or why it happens, but I think you're exactly right. It's like the body's way of protecting itself because it's in like a flight mode, like a fighter fight or flight mode. It's a way of protecting itself. I think right. you're exactly right. And but it is important. I know so many runners, including my past self, where, you know, I would say, I like I had basically said earlier, it's not time for dinner. It's not time for my snack. Mm. Forget your body doesn't know time. So throw that out the window. Eat when you're hungry. You know, mm. yes, eat before and after your run, even if you're not hungry. But throughout the day, if you're hungry, never deny yourself of food because that's going to lead to underfueling very quickly. That's so good. And I do like how you're pointing it out that body does no time. And I don't know if I've seen that in some of your other posts also that some of these metrics we're so attached to are metrics we made up in our mind that the body doesn't recognize, right? So I do like that. All right. You might have touched on this, but what do you love most about your clients results? Yeah, I think I did touch on this in the very, very beginning, but it's so important. I'm going to elaborate on it here. You know, I think obviously I love when a runner runs a PR, like everybody loves to celebrate a PR. You know, I'm like jumping up and down for them at home as I'm tracking them through the marathon or, you know, I love that. I love running. I love watching running, talking about it. But I think 
in a bigger way, watching somebody break the restrict binge cycle, watching my runners, you know, feel a life of food freedom, like feeling like Mm -hmm. they can, you know, keep cookies in the house and not stress. And like, now that I have a little girl watching somebody heal their relationship with food so that their restrict binge cycle or their negative body image doesn't trickle down to the next generation is the absolute greatest gift because what you're saying are going to be your children's words. If they hear you look in the mirror and say, I'm fat, I need to lose weight, I can't eat carbs, I have to run, these are going to be their words one day. And so watching these cycles break is like, I mean, it is a gift like going down generations. Yeah, that's so good. And so, I mean, I don't know if you and I, I don't think we're the same generation. I'm probably older than you, but why do you think we, why do you think we, we ended up with these skewed body image concepts? Well, that's a great question. And I wish I had like more research right in front of me to tell you like exact dates, but like, think about what we went through in like specifically the nineties, like the Atkins diet, there was low fat, there was low sugar Mm. diet. There was, I mean, like, We like the, I think it was like probably like late eighties, definitely nineties where there were so many diets of like, don't eat this, don't eat that. Like, and then somehow we like rolled into like intermittent fasting, which is really just like an explained way of starvation. Like it's, you don't support intermittent fasting, right? I think I saw one of your posts saying it's not great for runners, right? That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. I, I do not support intermittent fasting. And you're right. I just had a post on that last week and I like actually attached scientific research articles to it because people get really upset when I say not to intermittent fast. Well, but especially so- if they found something they feel works that yes. they can use to control. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's like, well, don't tell me that I have to mess with this now because I know what works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not do it. But I'm curious. I mean, just tell us real quick a little bit of the science behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And so the biggest thing is our hormones are really touchy. And so when we wake up in the morning, our cortisol level, which is our stress hormone, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you probably have talked about that before on the podcast, but your cortisol level is the highest in the morning. And so then when you go run, our cortisol level rises naturally because running is, even though it feels like a stress reliever, it is a stressor on the body naturally. And so if your cortisol level is already high in the morning, we're not, if we, if we don't eat because we're intermittent fasting and then we go run, that cortisol level goes even higher. And when our cortisol level goes that high, our body stores more fat and has more muscle breakdown because it is protecting you. It doesn't know if you rolled out of bed and went and ran six miles without eating because you just felt like it, or if you are lost in the woods trying to find your way home, it really doesn't know the difference. So it protects itself by storing more fat and breaking down more muscle. These are not the results we want. It's going to continue exactly what you're saying was happening on the run where it's kind of shutting down saying, I'm not going to expend energy right here because I know I need to be able to keep going. So I'm not going to feel hungry. Yep, exactly. So I just really want to highlight here for the listeners what Courtney was saying, because that's really important. If you're one of these that through the first time when she said, really, it'll be a game changer. If you eat a little bit, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that because I'm probably going to end up gaining weight. Here is the scientific research behind it, though, that if you don't, your cortisol levels will stay high. And these are the ones that will keep the body storing fat, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, this is really good. Exactly. And like I said, when people intermittent fast, usually they don't break their fast until like, I don't know, 10 in the morning, sometimes noon. Noon. And, And then if you run in the morning, 
then you're missing your pre-run. You're probably missing your post-run. So now you could be missing a recovery, which is a whole nother, you know, you're, you're not repairing your torn muscles. You're not absorbing those nutrients when you need them. And so then somebody could come back and argue, okay, well, I won't run in the morning. I'll just fast and I'll run later. Okay. Well, that's a little bit better, but it still is. I had a client actually say this once and I, I wish I could quote her exactly, but it's like, it is just like, in ex- intermittent fasting is almost like an ex- socially accepted version of anorexia. Like it is mm-hmm. saying, I'm only going to eat these like eight hours. Like that's not the way our body is designed. Our body, we need energy all day. And in order to have energy all day, we need to intake energy, right? And that's all calories are. That's what food is. It's energy. And so you can't expect your brain to work properly in your body. You can tell I'm very passionate about this as yeah. I'm like talking faster <laughs> and getting heated. But you, you know, you're if you want to have energy throughout the day to do your daily tasks, you have to be intaking energy all day long. And obviously you can like, you know, have a natural fast where you go to sleep for eight to 10 hours, you know, sure, that's perfectly fine. But to force yourself into this fast is truly unhealthy. And I think what I really also, well, I think what the listeners are taking away just like I am is that your passion for it or for getting that message across is really to get runners to understand that it's, it's really truly not getting to the crux of the problem of their eating issue or disorder, if they just replace it with intermittent fasting and then say, well, I fixed my eating disorder. Now I'm just intermittent fasting, right? Because actually you're still staying in the cycle of some kind of, of eating disorder or disordered eating. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Because intermittent fasting, depending on how you do it, and I've definitely seen it done this way where it really ends up just being a restrict binge cycle wrapped up in a different way. You know, you restrict, you restrict. And then what are you doing in that like eating window? Like, are like, what are you eating? Because that's kind of how intermittent fasting was once explained to me. Like, it doesn't really matter what you eat in this window. Like, as long as you just eat in this window, you're going to be fine. And it's like, well, that's not true. Doesn't like, make sense, you know, right? I mean, no. Let's eat some Crisco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> so yeah. And it's, it's hard because so many people find it works for them. Because and, it's a caloric deficit probably for them in a way, right? Yeah. But and it, and it will work initially. A lot of these diets will work initially, but then you end up getting more food obsessed. And one of my absolute favorite studies, if you guys ever want to like look up research studies, is the Minnesota Starvation Study. Actually, it's called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment. And it was done decades ago. It was like at the end of like, I think it was World War II. And they essentially on the heels of Holocaust. Sure. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And they starved these men. And starvation at the in this study was like. 800, 900, 1,000 calories. Like I'm sure some of us probably even eat less than that a day, but they were starved. And what they found over the course of the study was the less they ate, the more food obsessed they became, the more they, you know, they didn't have Pinterest at the time, but modern day, they would be scrolling Pinterest or scrolling Instagram (laughs) and like, you know, looking up food and recipes. Yeah, recipes, yeah. More food obsessed. They actually hated their bodies more the less they ate which is like the biggest takeaway, I think, from that study. They didn't, they they lost weight and they didn't like their bodies anymore. And that is huge. So when you do something like intermittent fasting, this is how this all ties together, is you might lose weight initially. It doesn't mean you're going to like your body any less. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a faster runner. And it doesn't mean it's going to work long-term. And so then you're just left with 
being very hungry and low energy and possibly having a stagnant weight yet again. Right. And just really gambling with your, yeah, your, your joy for life. (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like at the end of the day, like I want everybody to enjoy their life, like eat the food, enjoy in, you know, that food is meant to be enjoyable. You know, I hate when people say, can you make me a meal plan? Well, it's important for you to be eating the foods that you like. Like that's what's important. And that's so good that it's not just a set prescriptive plan. And that's such a great segue for my next question, because one of the things that, and actually on, I think on my most recent podcast episode, episode 79, I talk about making it stick and I talk about habits and it, it, I mentioned the term from another life coach called action copying. And so what, what I typically hear about and what I think about myself when I think about diets or nutrition advice or whatnot is like exactly you're saying people just want it easy. So tell me exactly what to eat, right? And they go out and they see other people or a running plan. Tell me exactly how to run. How did you do it? I'll copy that and it should work for me also, right? And so the whole concept behind action copying is that what we really end up doing is we just, instead of actually processing these thoughts and these emotions that are behind every action we take, we jump straight to an action level, we jump straight into a behavior and we want to just kind of copy a behavior and then then assume we can get the same results. And, and like you said earlier, it might work initially, mm-hmm. but typically it comes on the heels of then we have to force ourselves to continue to show up because we don't truly, we haven't created the thoughts and the feelings behind it that support that change. Right. Yeah. So it becomes this prescriptive thing to do that doesn't necessarily, even though I maybe mimic exactly what you're doing, I might not get the same great results. Right. Because I don't, I haven't processed it the way that you did initially or, even though it's so easy for me to get up at, at 4 a.m. in the morning and go out and run at 5 a.m., it might not necessarily be somebody else who hasn't processed the whole concept of being an a.m. runner, for instance, right? And yeah. so I wanted to touch on that with you because I'm guessing in your, in your work with your clients, whether you call it this or somehow this is probably something you work with them on so that that mindset component sticks and that they're more likely to you know, be able to continue this on their own also, right? As years go by. Yeah. And and that is exactly it that like changing the mindset and like almost like a cognitive behavioral therapy approach to it, they have to see it. Like what I'll usually ask them too is like, as they're, you know, starting to break a food rule, let's say, you know, I use like the not doing like any sort of time restricted eating. Let's say they're starting to eat more throughout the day and they're listening to their body more. You know, I'll ask them, well, how does that make you feel? And when they start to make that connection to like, hey, when I eat before my run, I feel this huge shift in my energy. It's like, ah, it's working, you know? And when you connect that feeling to how the food is, you know, working in your body, I think that makes it stick a lot longer because they have to want it. They have to believe it. And like I said, sending somebody a meal plan is just something I don't do because you're exactly right. It doesn't, it might work for a week, you know, it makes me think my dad always had a sign in his office that said, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And that's like, I hate that, like that sign in my dad's office is like, what rings true in my mind all throughout my business is like, I could sell meal plans. Sure. I'd probably make decent money doing that. But that's not the point here. You know, like, I want everybody to learn this intuitive eating, 
like body respect with sports nutrition for running all together. And when they like start to see those changes happen, that's when it starts to stick more. And they, they actually become, I think, more intrigued to continue to learn more and to want to make those changes. And that's when you see true life changes happen also, right? Lifelong yep. changes. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then good. they go, you know, then they go to their running team or their partner and, you know, the, oh my gosh, guess what I learned and guess what's happening. And then like, again, that trickle effect starts to happen. And, and that's exactly how dieting started too, right? Like, oh, I lost weight doing this. Oh, I got to do that too. And so like, I'm, I'm almost just like one by one, let's like reverse that cycle and trickle that, you know, cycle the yeah. other way. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I love the quote, running makes us happy, but happiness makes us better runners. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's one I use a lot because I kind of have a concept, love yourself to happier runs that I talk about a lot. Because I really think for a lot of as runners, I mean, like I said earlier, it goes back to what makes us run. Is it always this punishment? Or what if we could love ourselves? How could we experience our runs? So mm. how does that apply to what you do? Oh my gosh. I I hadn't heard that quote before and I love it. Did you make that quote up or did, is it from? No, I, so the running makes us happy, but happiness makes us better runners. I found on somebody's website, candies and crunches. Okay. It is however, one, a tweak off an actual quote by a MD that says exercise doesn't just improve happiness. Happiness can improve exercise performance. Mm. Love and it. So she oh, tweaked yeah. it to running and I'm just like, man, I love it. Yeah. Me too. I'm like, mm, I need that like on my wall. That is, that is a I great know. quote. But anyways, you know, I think this is like my exact overarching message, you know, running is such a gift. And as somebody who has exploited that gift in the past, I, I felt when I realized what running had become in my life, that it had become a chore and that it had become a punishment. I was so upset that I let running get that far or like take that hold over my life because it is you. I mean, think about all the joy running can bring you like exploring new trails, being outside yeah. in nature, moving your body. These are all such wonderful things that not everybody gets, you know, not everybody has legs that can move and not everybody, you know, finds that freedom in running. And so, you know, I just, I just think that quote is so priceless, but enjoying the run is really the way to find that freedom. Yeah. I don't know. Not really making great sense here to close out, but I think this is just like overarching, like this sums up like our talk today so perfectly. Awesome. Awesome. I love that so much. A couple of things that just kind of stood out was you know, that generational change, I heard that in the beginning, as you realize now with your own daughter, but also right now you came back to let's undo all the messages that have been in the past that, oh, I did this diet, oh, I got to do the same to, hey, I'm fueling my body this way. And how can I learn to do that? Also, it's been a super pleasure to chat mm -hmm. with you, Courtney. I mean, holy yeah. cow, I had no idea it was going to be this fun. Oh, <laughs> so oh, I, well, I hope your it. listeners feel the same. Oh, I'm um, sure. I mean, you have uh, a yeah. great energy and you have such a great message oh, for everybody. Well, so you. let everybody know how to find you. Yeah, of course. So my Instagram is eatwell.runbetter, which is also which, my by website. the way, I truly love. 
Oh, thank you. Yes, I appreciate it. I mean, share it, you know, spread the word. Again, if we're going to reverse this diet culture, we need to spread the word more often. So if you see anything on there, be sure to like it or share it. And then my website is eatwell.runbetter. So, oh, I'm sorry, eatwellrunbetter.com. And there's no dot in there, just eatwellrunbetter. But you can find that from my Instagram as well. So just find me on Instagram if you're there. And then you can always send me a message. Let me know if you like the podcast or if you have further questions on anything we discussed. And you can also submit an application to work with me if anything I said really hits home for you. So real quick, share with people. Is there one way of working with you? Are there a couple of different ways? Just give us a real quick intro. And maybe if it's like a program, what the length is typically, so people kind of have that upfront information. Yes. So my signature program is a three month commitment because of course nothing great happens overnight. Mm -hmm. And so it is a, you know, by definition, a group program. And before you run away and say, I don't want that, I treat everybody as an individual, but you get the support of the other runners, which is so I think group programs are priceless because you know, you see, you're not the only one. Yeah. It's so So, great. Exactly. You see, you're not the only one. People are asking questions that you had that you didn't even know that you had those questions. Yes. You get coaching from other people's coaching. Yes. Yeah. And I've had runners like end up becoming such good friends to the program that they meet up at races or, you know, they train together. I love it. And so the group program, you get, you know, pre-recorded modules to walk you through everything I just talked about and so much more. We meet weekly. So there's tons of support. And then we always chat, you know, extra like individual side conversations as well. So that program, like I said, is my second signature program. I am getting this is a little sneak peek. I'm getting ready to launch another program. I don't have a specific name for it just yet. So hold on. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> but it's going to be just a self-paced course to go through just how to fuel your training. We're not going to talk about body image. We're not going to talk about, you know, intuitive eating. That's all in my signature program, but it's just going to be that what to eat before, during, and after training. And so that's coming probably in February. So you can kind of be on the lookout for that release and get on the wait list if you're interested in that. And I do accept one-on-one clients. If you're like, I just have some quick questions, you know, you can reach out to me. I only take one or two a week because unfortunately that's all motherhood in a military family allows me to take on, but I do have spots available for just those like, Hey, I need to run some things by you. Sure. Let's, let's meet and talk about that. Sure. Awesome. Okay. So eat well dot run better, better, right? You got it. That's my Instagram. That's the best way to reach me. I'm always on there. Very cool. Well, thank you so, so much, Courtney. Thank you for having me. I hope this was helpful. Yeah, I'm sure my listeners will love it. Thank you. All right, runner friend, if you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel happier, more confident, and empowered on your runs, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the type of runs you desire. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. As your coach, I'll be there to support you along the way. There'll be a link in the show notes to sign up for a call with me. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world. Just one run at a time.